Grace, mercy, and peace of Christ Jesus rest upon each and every one of you this day. Amen. Let me be seated. If there is one thing we Lutherans are known for, it is that we generally hold strong to the status quo. This is what we have been doing for years, is the fighting mantra of many a congregation in our dearly beloved LCMS. This is what we've always done. I'm reminded of the joke that asks how many Lutherans it takes to change a light bulb. Change? (laughs) Status quo is the way to go. As we look to our gospel lesson for this morning, we can see a little bit of old Lutheranism coming out of John the Baptist. Remember, John had been preaching a strong and brutally honest message of repentance out in the wilderness, far away from all the trappings and happenings of civilized life. This message of confession and repentance was joined together with baptism. People were coming to John, receiving baptism by him, because they heard the cutting words of God spoken through this man wearing camel hair clothing. And they recognized the absolute necessity to have those sins washed away in the eyes of God. In this way, we can certainly understand why John sounds so Lutheran when Jesus steps out of the crowd of sinners and enters into the Jordan River to be baptized. Jesus, what are you doing here? This is a place where sinners come to have their sins washed away. Do you not know that this is how this is supposed to work? You are supposed to be dishing out a baptism of fire and judgment, not receiving a simple baptism of water from the likes of me. And how does Jesus respond? Notice he does not cite some loophole in the bylaws of the Constitution. He does not get angry and blow up at John because John is clearly ignorant as to what is taking place. Nor does he tell John that he has had it all wrong up to this point in terms of preaching and teaching. No, in fact, Jesus validates John's preaching and teaching by instructing John to allow this to take place this one time because his baptism is a necessary fulfillment of all righteousness. And so now comes our favorite Lutheran question. What does this mean? What does it mean that all righteousness is fulfilled? What is righteousness, and whose righteousness are we talking about? Let's face it, we do not usually use this term in our everyday vocabulary unless we are talking bad about someone, calling them uh, self-righteous, well, you fill in the blank. In that way, we typically use this word to degrade a person for their thinking, that they're perfect and without blemish, which scripture repeatedly uses the same word positively to speak of God and his life-giving promises of forgiveness and salvation. Here at the edge of the Jordan River, in the middle of the Judean wilderness, God is keeping his promise that he made in the Garden of Eden, that he will send a Messiah who will crush the heads of sin, death, and the devil. Jesus' baptism is fulfilling God's righteousness. It is showing and proving that God does not make empty promises or bites off more than he can chew. The promise God makes in our Old Testament lesson for today in Isaiah 42 is being fleshed out in the person and work of Jesus. So this still does not answer why 
Jesus was baptized. Isn't baptism for sinners? This is what God tells us in his word. Did Jesus have any sin that needed to be washed away in the waters of baptism? No. And John knew that. However, notice where Jesus comes from to be baptized. Out of the midst of sinners. Jesus steps into the waters of baptism as one of us, though he himself was without sin. Jesus was not being washed clean in the waters of baptism, but was instead sanctifying these waters for us, consecrating them and setting them aside as a means of bringing all people into his victories over sin, death, and the grave. God's plan and promise of salvation for all mankind was being epiphanized, that is, being manifested, revealed, made known in the person of Christ. And we see this in the fact that upon Christ receiving the waters in our place, God the Father rends the heavens and speaks as he sends his Holy Spirit down in the shape of a dove so that all could physically and hear that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was indeed God's righteous promise being fulfilled. A plan and promise begun in the waters of baptism, which flow directly into his substitutionary death and resurrection about three years later. In this way, we can recognize the sanctified waters of Christ's baptism as all part of God's plan to physically and tangibly break in to halt man's status quo of sin and damnation. We can rightly recognize that God's real and tangible action for our salvation begins in the womb of a virgin, entering into the waters of baptism, flowing from his own baptism through his cross and his resurrection, and into our lives this very day. This is what St. Paul is talking about in the epistle lesson for today. The victories of Christ's death and resurrection continue to flow into your lives and are made yours through the waters of holy baptism. Christ's victories are, in God's eyes, your victories. For the faith that clings fast to the promise and word of God in baptism, there is nothing to fear on this side of eternity. Not sickness, not suffering, not even death. You are baptized into Christ, and he overcame and crushed all of these things for you in his victorious and vicarious sacrifice. It is finished once and for all. This is the reason that this epistle for today is also rightly included in our funeral liturgies. This is why we are directed to use a funeral pall in our funeral. It is all baptismal and speaks to the life that is completely baptized into Christ, from birth to death. That little white cloth that is given to us in our baptisms, the little white cloth that symbolizes Christ's perfect righteousness and looks like it barely covers even a portion of the infant being baptized, is finally recognized in death as completely covering over and hiding everything under that pall from our view. Take notice, though, that from God's perspective, this is how it always has been, completely covered in Christ. However, we are a bit more stubborn. 
We are a lot more like doubting Thomas in the sense that we need something to see and behold. Something to wrap our brains and our faith around. In that little baptismal handkerchief, we recognize a little life and a little faith in Christ that is just the beginning. A life of faith that will ideally grow and mature in Christ. Just like that little handkerchief grows into a huge funeral pall at the end of life. Baptism is an ever-present reality in our lives. From cradle to grave, our lives before God as completely forgiven and redeemed children of God are always recognized by him as lives that are soaking wet in the realities and promises of your baptism. Because in your baptism you were joined with Christ, joined in his perfect life, which he lived for you because you cannot. Joined in his perfect and all-atoning death and joined in his resurrection to life eternal. It is also important to point out that baptismal faith also cannot help but freely share the good news with others. The season of Epiphany is traditionally a time in the life of the church that focuses especially on the mission and evangelism and the sharing of the good news of Christ. Dear fellow baptized believers... Jesus is still speaking to you. It is fitting for us in order to fulfill all God's righteousness. God has chosen to use the simple and ordinary means of the faithful confession of each and every baptized person to share his wonderful news that all mankind is forgiven in the completely substitutionary life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what true mission and evangelism means. From the Greek word evangelion, which means gospel or good news of Christ, you are called to simply gospelize the nations. Through you, God is still epiphanizing and manifesting and making Christ known to a world buried in sin and darkness. God does not call you to simply be a busy worker bee or a good deed-doing boy or girl scout who wears themselves out with their constant activity and busyness. He does not call you to simply give money or raise funds or to be a part of a country club with tax-deductible benefits. He does not call you to travel the world on holy pilgrimage. If you want to be a really good Christian, you have to go to these particular holy sites. He does not demand that you become impoverished or celibate or a pastor or a deaconess or a foreign missionary. He does not even call you to give a grand Ph.D. level theological dissertation or to even offer up your own opinion to the world regarding his working of salvation in Christ. Your opinion does not save anyone. He does not call you to do or to speak about anything other than what he has already done for you and for the entire world in the work and person of Jesus Christ. That is the simple, humble, privilege, God-given vocation and purpose that you have been given as a baptized child of Christ. Freely sharing and faithfully confessing with your words and your deeds this life-giving, life-saving gospel of Christ is actively fulfilling God's righteousness. That is, it is actively participating with Christ in God's righteousness as it ever moves closer to complete fulfillment on that last and glorious day. 
So may God grant you the strength, the courage, and the peace that comes with sharing and living in the blessed realities of the life that has been baptized into Jesus Christ. Amen. Now may the peace that surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.